What has Arizona been up to? Who is the second best team in the Pac-12? Michelle Smith, who covers the Pac-12 at the Next, joins host Natalie Heverin to discuss all things Pac-12 from the first month of the season. Ogumbawale for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and happy Friday. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Natalie Heverin and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter at The Next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is, a, is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we're going to discuss Arizona, who's competing for second place in the Pac 12, and some miscellaneous odds and ends to get you prepared to wrap up the non-conference season, as well as the start of Pac-12 play. Joining me today is Michelle Smith, the longtime women's basketball writer who's covering the Pac-12 at the next. Once again, I'm glad you could join me uh, on today's episode. I love reading your stories on the Pac-12, and you definitely help keep me up to date as an East Coaster. I appreciate that. You know, West Coast, Best Coast, and Howard (laughs) McDowell and I will argue, we will arm wrestle over that. We argue over those time zones all the time, but I'm happy to uh, keep everybody updated on what's going on on the West Coast. This conference is going to be pretty good this year. So just starting off, what have you seen out of Arizona so far this season? Yeah, Arizona is an interesting case. They're a little tough to judge. So when this is going to air, but on Thursday night, they're going to have their biggest game of the season so far against Kansas. And it's their first game against a Power 5 opponent. And I think that's the biggest thing about Arizona is that Their schedule has been relatively light. Their strength of schedule actually currently ranks like in the 300s. It's not been spectacular. Um, And that's not all completely Adia Barnes looking to schedule light, but having trouble putting a schedule together, I think, because they're good, because McHale's a tough place to play, because scheduling on the West Coast is always a little more challenging for teams. So the schedule's been a little bit light, but what we've seen, I'm really impressed by. I mean, they are ranked fifth in the nation in scoring, they're averaging like 88 points a game. They have eight players averaging at least seven points a game, five of them in double figures. They are defending at a really high level. Like they look really good against the teams they've played. Their margin of victory averages like 30 points a game though. And as we're getting closer to conference play, you know, it's time to see, it's time to see what the Wildcats are really made of. And so they'll have their Kansas game on Thursday night in front of um, a big crowd and then they're going to play Baylor on the 18th in Dallas in a a neutral site game which is another big test and then they've just got this role heading into the next month or so where they're going to open they're going to play Arizona State they're going to open at the Bay Area schools they're going to play the Oregon schools and then they're going to head to Utah and Colorado which in the Pac-12 that mountain trip used to be somewhat of an easy trip and it, it is not anymore. So they're going to have a really defining stretch here, I think, where we're going to figure out what's going on with Arizona. But on paper, they look great. They look really good. Are you concerned at all about the scheduling and how um, the start of playing um, Kansas, Baylor, and then that stretch getting into Pac-12 play? Um, or do you think that 
this team has the potential to be able to hit the ground running with those tougher opponents. If you're scoring at a really high level, I think they're building a lot of confidence in their offense. And I think that that's really important. And I think that that bodes well for them. Um, you know, Adia Barnes, I talked to her yesterday and she said she's not that concerned that, you know, she thinks that they've won the games they should win, that they've played some good teams. They went to New Mexico and played in front of 6,000 people in New Mexico. She thought that the San Diego tournament was good for them, but they haven't, you know, they just haven't played, they haven't played a power five conference team yet. And so, you know, taking Kansas and then going into Baylor and then rolling into a pretty tough start in the Pac-12 in terms of the schedule. You know, it, it will be illuminating, but I don't see I don't see Adia Barnes being super worried about it. We've seen Pac-12 teams in the past who have sort of built up a really gaudy record with a not great schedule, and then they roll into the Pac-12 and then reality hits. Um, I don't think Adia Barnes thinks that's what's going to happen with her team, and I'm not sure it is either, but it's going to just be really interesting to see when the degree of difficulty goes up, how Arizona responds. And then in your Pac-12 preview, you mentioned Helena Poyo uh, mm -hmm. as the twist. What have you seen from her so far this season? She's been very efficient for them, and she doesn't need to be. She's not one of the five players scoring in double figures, but she's facilitating that offense. And so they've got a couple of transfers, as Mary Martinez, who was in, um, who came from West Virginia. They've got Jay LaBille, who transferred from their rival at Arizona State, which was a big deal when that happened. Those two players are scoring at a really high level. They've got fifth-year seniors with Shayna Pellington and Kate Reese. They have a freshman, Kaylin Gilbert, who's playing really well. They have some really good pieces, and Poyo is, is the, the facilitator, the distributor. And so it tells me that she's playing well when they've got that many people scoring that well because she is running that offense efficiently and doing a good job of distributing the ball. I mean, obviously, it's not just her, but she's getting them where they need to be. And so... Again, I put her as the twist for a reason, and I think so far her numbers don't pop your eyes out, but I think what she's doing is super important to what they're doing, which is scoring a lot. And you mentioned Jay LaVille, and you also mentioned her in your story on Pac-12 transfers. Mm -hmm. How has she made an impact um, in, I think she was one of the the primary names you mentioned as a, a intra-conference intra transfer this season. Yeah. There have been a lot of those in the Pac-12. Um, she was a big one because she was the leading scorer at Arizona State when she left. And Arizona's been a team, you know, we know that they made the national championship game a couple of years ago and they had Ari McDonald and they and she was their primary scorer. And then they had a lot of complimentary players. And Adia Barnes has been trying to get more scores and less complimentary players on the floor. And so what Jade LaVille has been able to come in and do is give them sure thing scoring and be really productive for them offensively. And that's going to be the difference. She says this is the best offensive team she's coached. Um, she told me that yesterday. And she said they're shooting better than any team that she's coached. So this isn't a one-person show where one person's going to do all the scoring. This is going to be scoring from a lot of different places. But having Jade LaVille in there, somebody who is a dependable scorer, makes a big difference for them. And then you touched on this a little bit, but out of the gates, um, what do you expect to see out of Arizona um, in conference play after the last few uh, non-conference games? Well, what I want to see is how that offense holds up. I want to see how 88 points a game holds up against Stanford's defense, against Oregon State's defense, against, you know, 
against a Utah. I think the Utah and um, Arizona game will just be fun because I think it's going to be fireworks, right? Because, you know, Utah's the nation's number one scoring team. And so, but hasn't been playing spectacular defense and they haven't needed to, because if you can put up 124 points, um, defense is not necessarily your top priority, but I, you know, I want to see how that offense holds up when the quality of the defense improves, when the quality of the size and the athleticism improves, because all of those things are going to happen. And then it's a matter of whether or not the confidence that Arizona has built to this point carries them in through that tough stretch. And, you know, it's, again, it's just defining for them. And, and Adia Barnes feels pretty confident that her team is up to it. And then are there any players that have struggled early this season for Arizona that you expect to step up once conference play rolls around? Well, interestingly, and if, you know, it's hard to deter, Kate Reese is a fifth year senior for them. She was on the the team that played in the national championship game. Obviously she has been a centerpiece player for them. And as they've brought Martinez in, as they've brought Jade LaVille in, as you know, they've brought more pieces in, I think her role has probably diminished naturally a little bit. And she, but I think that she's familiar with conference opponents, and I think that's going to help them as well. When you've got players like Pellington and Reese on the floor who've played against most of these players in the Pac 12, played against these teams, know what the scout looks like, knows what the job is. So I expect that Kate Reese's numbers are going to start to increase. I think, you know, she's just sitting at double figure scoring, and they're not her highest numbers of her career, but I think that she's definitely going to be one who's probably going to have to step it up. and. I think I, I think we'll see that because I think the familiarity of coming back into conference play is going to benefit somebody like Kate. Coming up next, we're going to discuss Michelle's story from last week on who's auditioning for number two in the Pac-12. Today's episode is brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best artists, icons, and leaders anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to cook from Gordon Ramsay, improve your songwriting skills from John Legend, or learn the art of negotiation from Chris Voss. With over 2,500 classes from a range of more than 180 world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. I recently checked out Wayne Gretzky's class. I was blown away by the depth of knowledge uh, and the quality of the experience. Though I'm not an athlete myself, I was still able to learn a lot from his class on teaching the athlete's mindset, including setting attainable goals, why to play above your level, and that creativity can be more important than structure at times. All things I can apply in my life and even as a writer and podcaster. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That's masterclass.com slash locked on. Terms apply. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. For your second lesson, check out Locked On Sports today, from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So last week, you wrote an interesting piece about who's auditioning for number two in the Pac-12, and you listed several teams, um, which... While we're going to talk about it now, I do want to recommend it to all of our listeners. Um, And you wrote specifically that Stanford is the number one team in the Pac-12. What comes next? Or more precisely, who comes next? So can you answer that question for us? Yeah. And and we start this conversation with a presumption that Stanford is, you know, is the class of that conference. And there's 
No reason to think otherwise. I think that there's a lot of folks that think that South Carolina and Stanford right now are sort of sitting in a different tier than even the rest of the country in terms of the way that the rankings look and losses and the way things have moved around a little bit. And I'm sure that there are some folks in some towns that would argue with me about that. But I think it's pretty clear that these are two very experienced teams. And so I would just want to start with that premise that, yeah, I think that Stanford's the best team in the Pac-12. Doesn't mean I think they're going to run through that conference unscathed because there are some good teams in this conference. But I think at the end, Stanford is the is the number one team. And then the next question becomes, who's number two? And so I think that that's an interesting conversation as we head into this part of the year, because I think Arizona would like to be a team that would be considered the second best team in this conference. Um, UCLA has a, a few big wins, a tournament win, and is playing and played South Carolina great and in Columbia. And so I think UCLA with Charisma Osborne and Kiki Rice, and they're playing at a really high level. And they didn't have a great year last year, and but I think that this is a big turnaround for them, and they want to be that number two team. Um, Oregon, Oregon's got, you know, they lost Sedona Prince early in the season, but they've got, you know, a couple of great guards, a couple of great freshmen. They're in good shape, and they would be battling for that number two spot. And then there's Utah. Utah played with Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game, brought most of those young players back and are just scoring like mad. Um, you know, just such a talented and versatile offensive team. And so I think they're in the mix at the top tier of that mix for number two. And then it's interesting because the team that finished second last year, which was a big surprise to everybody was Washington state. Washington state finishing in a tie for second. I don't think is something that anybody saw coming. Um, you know, and they've got Ledger Walker and Bella Mercatede and they and Joanna Tedder and they're a good team. And, you know, I think that they don't feel like they want to give up any ground. And then you've got a team like Oregon State, right? And Colorado, there are other teams out there. And what I think is generally interesting is I've just named about nine out of the 12 teams in the Pac-12. And, and that speaks to, I think, the overall strength of the conference I think that Cal is better than it was last year. Cal's had a terrible couple of years with COVID and some of the game cancellations they had in just a rough couple of years. Washington, I think, is getting better. You know, Arizona State's got a new coach, Charlie Turner Thorne, has been replaced by Natasha Adair. They have a good record, and, you know, and I think that they could look good. So what that's telling me is, is that the bottom of the Pac-12 is better. The middle of the Pac-12 is a lot of parity, and there are some teams that really want that number two spot and are going to fight, you know, like hell for it. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really interesting conference season. You know, I think the, you know, Big East has improved. The ACC is good. The Big Ten's obviously got some good teams, but top to bottom, I would argue the Pac-12 is the best conference in the country because of the quality of teams that are at the bottom of the conference. I think it's going to be a knockdown drag out. And I didn't even talk about USC. And I voted for USC in the poll this week, by the way, because they're 8-0. They look pretty good. And, you know, they're another team that I'm waiting for them to play somebody so that I can get a little better barometer of where they stand and how they'll roll into conference. Because I think they're one of those teams that could come in with a really good record and then struggle quickly if they don't get it together. But Lindsey Gottlieb's a good coach, and she's got some good players. So there you go. I mean, I just think this is a good conference. But that number two spot, I see UCLA, see Oregon knocking around for it. I see Arizona and I see Utah. I see those four teams as, you know, really battling it out for that 
spot right under Stanford under the standings. And I see a couple of those teams getting knocking Stanford off at some point during the regular season. And then did you enter this season expecting a clear number two, or did you expect this chaotic uh, race for second? Um, I think it's more the second than the, more the latter than the first. I think if you, you know, I think Oregon when Prince, I think with, with if Sedona Prince was playing, I would have thought that Oregon would have had maybe sort of that clear number two resume. Um, just understanding the experience they had come back and the size that Prince brings and, you know, but without Sedona Prince, I think that, you know, I think, and I didn't know that UCLA was going to play this well this soon. Um, you know, everybody knows what a talent Kiki Rice is, but to have her come in with Charisma Osborne and have them play this well pretty quickly after, you know, not being in the NCAA tournament last year. So UCLA got good really fast. And then, you know, the numbers that Utah's putting up, like we knew last year at the end of the year, they were a good offensive team, but they really seem to have taken another step up. So I'm going to say I thought it probably would have been Oregon. Um, but then you've got this other mix of teams with Arizona and Utah and UCLA, and they all want a piece of it. So it'll be really, really interesting. But I see quite a few teams. I mean, I think the Pac-12 could get seven or eight teams in the tournament this year easily. And now about a week after the story went live, do you think anyone's made the case? Or are you really looking to see the start of conference play? Um, to see yeah, I'm going to need to see the start of the conference. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. And people are, this is also that time of year where a lot of teams are taking some time off for finals break. So I think the schedule is going to get a little quiet and a little bit light. And then we're going to come back right before Christmas and we're going to have, you know, we're going to have an Arizona is going to have Baylor. And um, I think somebody's playing Texas. I can't remember who it is. It might be SC. And then you're going to have, you know, Stanford playing Tennessee, even though they're pretty beat up right now and got some bad news today. But we're going to have some big games coming up, I think, right before that break. And interestingly, the Pac-12 season is going to start a little early with some of those first rivalry rivalry games in that neighborhood between um, like December 15th and the end of the year. And so we're going to start to get a glimpse of some of that Pac-12 back and forth as well. Yeah, it's USC that's taking on Texas also yeah. December 18th. So big day uh, in the non-conference. And that's Dallas. I think that's part of the coast-to-coast it's part of the coast to coast event, I think, too. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really fun conference season. And Stanford's been really impressive. Um, they've been, you know, Brink and, you know, Jones might not have the numbers, but when you consider, you know, what they're doing and how many pieces and how many people come in off the bench and, you know, you know, Haley Jones will get hers. She's going to need to be a big factor for them once this conference starts. So I am anticipating that Stanford holds on to its spot. And then what do you think that these teams still have to prove uh, to you in the the last few non-conference games? Um, Can you score? That's my, that's always my thing. And I've said that for a long time. I don't think national champions for the most part are built on defense. I think, can you score and can you be a good scoring team with options by the end of the season? is always where people want to get to. And so that's what I want to watch. I want to see these teams that how, you know, how easily can somebody shut you down? How quickly can somebody find your soft spots and take you out of what you want to do? Um, that I'm going to be really watching for that. And especially, you know, like I'm excited to watch what's going on with Arizona on Kansas game. And, you know, we've talked about that, but, you know, who can shut you down and who's going to expose some of the stuff that perhaps some of your 
your non-conference opponents haven't exposed yet. And coming up next, we'll hit a few more odds and ends to get you prepared for Pac-12 play. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And yes, they even cover your women's basketball betting needs as well. I am not a betting person, but I love that BetOnline.net offers these options offers these options for women's basketball. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, betonline.net has it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on at betonline as well. Betonline.net is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. From the WNBA and MLB to NFL, uh, betonline has got you over got you covered for odds, lines, and games. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Michelle, are there any individual players that have impressed you so far? Yeah. um, So there's um, at Arizona State, and again, with Charlie Turner Thorne leaving after a really long career and Natasha Dare taking over, there's – Thais Skinner has been really, really good for, she came with Adair over from Delaware. She's a transfer. Um, she has had a great start to Pac-12 play. And I think that people um, don't know a lot about her yet. So I think that that's going to be fun to watch. I think um, Alyssa Peely in Utah. So Alyssa came over from um, USC and she was Pac-12 freshman of the year a couple of years ago. And she came in and I think really elevated them in the interior and elevated them offensively. They had shooters already. They had people that would, you know, kind of versatile players on the wings, but Alyssa Peely is really making a huge difference at Utah. And I'm super impressed with what she's doing so far. Charisma Osborne is making her run at Pac-12 player of the year at UCLA, just being really, really consistent and scoring at a really high level. Um, Those are kind of three of the players right now that really stick out. I think, you know, Cameron Brink is showing us, you know, she's stepping out beyond the three-point line. She's really expanding her game. And I think the story with Cameron Brink is what it always is, which is if she can stay on the floor, she's one of the best players in the country. I thought her game against South Carolina was spectacular, even though they lost that game. I think she really showed herself out um, really, really well in that game. But there are some interesting, you know, there are some interesting things happening in the Pac-12. And so we're going to see some new players. We're going to see some new names. Um, we've got a player at USC. I just did a feature on her for pac12.com actually, Katie Sissoko, um, who's a French player who came from, she was at Syracuse as a freshman, transferred from Minnesota and is now at SC. So Syracuse, Minnesota, and then made the weather change, um, to Southern California, but, um, she's having a great start for SC and she's a grad transfer. So they're going to get one, they'll get one bite at the apple with Sissoko, but she's a nice player. And I think they view her as a pro prospect because she's got international experience. So those are some of the names. I don't think that we're hearing that we've heard a lot um, that I think are going to have really, really good seasons in the Pac-12. Yeah. I really enjoyed uh, watching Skinner. She didn't have a great night from the floor, but was three of five uh, against UMass when they played believe last week. Um, so had it was three games, I think in the last three out of her last four, three out of her last five with like 25 points, you know, she's had, mm-hmm. she's really busted out offensively. So, and Arizona state will be, I get a really great vibe from Natasha Adair. I like her a lot. I think it's going to be very different than 
what we've seen from Arizona State, which was just those waves of players trying to bury you in a you know an ugly defensive game, um, and then just scoring enough points on you to win, but never really having that great offensive flow. And Natasha Adair is coming in with something different, and I'm excited to see how that goes too. And then I know we previewed the Stanford South Carolina game that ended with a South Carolina win. But what are some of the most notable non-conference wins in the Pac-12 so far? Well, I think against ranked teams, I mean, the conference has got a great record, um, a great record overall in the non-conference. I think they've won 85% of their games collectively as a conference. But the, um, but I believe they're two and six right now. Could be different than that based on the last 48 hours. But they were two and six against ranked teams. And so that's obviously got to improve. Um, but Stanford, they might have picked up a third win because Stanford beat Gonzaga and Gonzaga came into that game ranked. Um, but they've got some shots at doing some more damage with that. You know, I mean, Stanford's got a good shot against beating Tennessee. I mean, they've got a good chance to come in and beat some more ranked teams. So, you know, I think if anybody wants to knock on the Pac-12 at this point, it might be that record against ranked teams. But, you know, both both Stanford and UCLA played South Carolina. Um there's been some big games. One of the big wins, obviously, was Utah in that 124-point game when they hosted Oklahoma, who was ranked when they came in. Um, you know, I mean, things are things are fluid, but you know, and but again, I think the overall strength of this conference and the level of the talent, and then all the freshmen in this league who've come in. You know, Stanford's got a lot of the top young players in the country in that league this year, and so how they develop, what kind of playing time they get, that's going to be something that we're going to want to watch too. And then what are you most looking forward to about Pac-12 play when it kicks off? Parity. And it's going to be, I think every, you'll look on that schedule in the Pac-12 and you'll go, that's a good game. Oh, that's a good game. That's a good game. Like that's when it's fun is when you look at the schedule and you don't see one or two good games on the course of a weekend, but you see five or six. And I think that's what we're going to see in the Pac-12. We're going to be, you know, five or six games a weekend that really are intriguing and those matchups are really, really interesting. And having those mountain schools improve so much and go to the NCAA tournament in Utah and Colorado and things really, it really ups the ante on that road trip too, because it's a tough trip. That's an altitude trip. That's a two city trip. I mean, when you talk about traveling in the PAC 12 and they always do the travel partners, Utah and Colorado, that's going to be a really tough trip for people. Now we'll see how it benefits the, um, the youths of the Buffaloes because those are not easy places to play in winter. Thank you so much for joining me today, Michelle. I learned a lot. Can't wait to see uh, Pac-12 play start up soon. But where can the people find you and your work? Yep, you can find me on the next. Um, and you can also find me at Pac-12.com. So um, I'm a West Coast girl. And that's where you're going to find most of my stuff this season. And I'm excited about it. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more from Hunter Joshua and M, who always teach me so much. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.